0: the New King James. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exaltation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to the other, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your word, that you would grant us understanding, and Lord, that you would give us the desire and the strength to actually put it into practice in a day-to-day sense. Lord, that we would love one another and build each other up in love, maintaining unity and peace. (coughs) Father, we thank you for your word. We Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through it that you have revealed what you require of us to us. and Lord, we are thankful that they have been reduced to writing so that we can learn from them. Father, we praise you and thank you for your goodness to us. Help us to understand truly what the church is and to function as we ought. Lord, again, we pray that your Holy Spirit might move in us, illuminate our understanding, and make us more like Christ each day. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in verses 1 and 2 of Romans, he set out very clearly for us what our reasonable response ought to be to our Lord's great love, mercy and grace. He also sets out for us how we ought to live and work together as living sacrifices. And in verses 3 through to 11, Paul now sets out for us how we are to live corporately within the church, within the body of Christ. What does it mean to be a member of the church, of the body of Christ? What is a church? What is my role, my function within the church? Well, first off, to be a Christian is really to belong to the church, a local church, and to regularly attend and to contribute to the life and the work of the church. It's not just having a name on a roll. And joining and attending a local church isn't an option for the Christian. There are arguments that some people will put up, but it is not an option. You know, in Hebrews ten twenty-four, Paul exhorts us to let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter with some. And then in Acts two, verse forty-six-forty-seven, we read, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, the New Testament Christians were, in those days, daily meeting in the temple, in the synagogue for teaching. With the disciples, and they were meeting together and having meals. And we know that the church is there to build up and equip the saints, to build the church of God for the work that it has to do. Well, how, how can you be built up and edified if you don't attend? It's quite obvious that we need to attend and regularly to be built up and equipped and to build up and equip others. Now, look, there are times and there are situations when regular attendance may not be possible, but it ought to be the exception rather than the norm. And before we start going into this passage in a little more detail, we need to understand a little more about what the church is. What is the church? Well, first off, it is a group of Christians, it's not the building, it's not the property. It's not the chairs and pews and everything we have around the place. It is a group of Christians who regularly assemble or meet together. We do so on the first day of the week. It is a congregation-wide exercise where we come together. We represent Christ and his rule, his kingdom on earth. And we assemble together in his name publicly. We come under the discipline of the church. To be taught and where we have preaching and the ordinances built to equip the saints so when we talk about church it's not a building it's not a property it is the gathering of the believers of jesus christ it's the covenant people of god coming together i can put it a little more succinctly by looking at the westminster confession of faith and i'll refer you to chapter 25 article 3 unto this catholic or this universal visible church Christ has given the ministry, the oracles, the ordinances of God for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the world and does by his own presence and spirit, according to his promise, make them effectual thereto. So brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we claim to be Christ and Christ is our head individually then we are part of a body, whether we like it or not. And we ought to regularly meet together, not only to worship and praise our God as we are due to, but also to be built up and equipped for service. Now, the question then arises, where do you and I fit within this corporate body of this church? Now, if we come back to this passage, and let's have a look at verse 3. Paul starts off this passage, verse 3 to 13, and he talks about, Spiritual gifts here in this particular passage from 3 through to verse, uh, verse 8. And spiritual gifts are given to the church, not to individuals. But before Paul starts talking about gifting in the church and how people use them within the body of the church, I find it quite interesting and instructive really that he talks first about being humble and before God and before each other. Have a look at verse 3 through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly it's interesting that paul when talking about the church and spiritual gifts in ephesians makes the same comment and takes the same approach if we have a look at verse 2 well, we'll start at verse 1 in ephesians chapter 4 which uh, margaret read before for us I therefore, the prism of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. It's an interesting approach. Why would Paul start off talking about humility? Well, first off, it seems to me that when we look across the church... The church is diverse. There is diversity in the church. No two of us, no two people in the church are the same. We come from different backgrounds, different racial background, ethnic background, language background, cultural background. We all have our different likes and our dislikes. We all have our different preferences, don't we? A little bit of scope for difference and perhaps conflict if we're not careful. But more particularly, I think why Paul uses and and, and looks at being humble first before he even looks at our place and our role in the church is because of this. One, there were certain conditions existing in the Roman church at the time where they had difficulties. And also based on his experiences at Corinth, God had been very gracious and outpoured the spiritual gifts at Corinth and yet look at the problems that they had. People were trying to outdo each other, outshine each other. They were aspiring to flashy gifts without really considering how they built and equipped each other. It's a dangerous trap that we can fall into, isn't it? Exaggerated self-importance and self-esteem depending on how God has gifted you. Oh, look what I've got, look what I can do. Well, that's not the way it ought to be. And it's a dangerous trap to fall into. So before we even start talking about where you and I fit within this church, our role and how we exercise our gifts, let's first be humble before God and before each other. It is God who has distributed gifts as he has so chosen, not us. We haven't chosen us and we have received gifts that are totally undeserving. So let's know our place before God and before each other. But when we consider this passage of Romans there's a few things that we need to know and acknowledge, not only individually but corporately. We have all been given a spiritual gift. There is not one member of the church that is not gifted in some way. Have a look at what it says here in Romans. Paul says, But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, measure of faith he's not talking about saving faith here he's talking about distribution of gifts and the amount of faith and strength that we have to exercise them within the church so all disciples of jesus each one of us is spiritually gifted and we're to be faithful stewards of what god has given us the kind and quality of faith required to use our spiritual gifts for the benefit of the church and his glory again the gifts aren't given to you or to me individually they've been given to the church but we do have them to exercise them within the context of the church we note too from this passage that our spiritual gifts haven't been chosen by you and I I'll take that one God that one off that shelf no 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 they've been given as he determines in accord with the needs of his church and each of us has been given sufficient gifting that we can fulfil the role that we have in the body of the church. And it's interesting to note too that all gifts necessary have been given to the church. The church of Christ is not lacking for gifting. There are plenty of gifts there. One of the questions we need to ask is, are you prepared to exercise your gift and to what measure? The other thing we note from this passage as well is that we don't all have the same spiritual gifts. There's a diversity of gifts, it's just there is a diversity of people. If you have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, uh, we notice that there are five speaking gifts. But God has set the members, each one of them. Oh, hold on, 28, is it? I might have missed a bit here. He has given us different gifts and there are five spiritual gifts of five speaking gifts there's prophecy teaching encouragement words wisdom and word of knowledge and then if you look at verse 28 here we go verse 28 we have gifts of service leadership management giving discernment faith mercy helps there's multitude and diversity of gifts given to the church and we are to use them and exercise them for the benefit of the church now i'm going to say a few things here a little bit tongue-in-cheek too i have been in some churches and some places where i've seen a different set of gifts i praise god i haven't seen them here but in some places there's been, you would almost swear, there's been the gift of gossiping given, the gift of criticism, character assassination, undermining of authority, etc., political jockeying and favour. No, no. Some people might behave like that and they ought not. We ought to exercise the spiritual gifts that are given to us and exercise them appropriately. And our spiritual gifts ought to be used actively actively. But within the constraints of our capability, the measure of faith that God has given to us. If God has gifted you, and he has, with a spiritual gift to Christ, don't let it take you away. Don't get carried away with your gifting. Yes, some gifts seem to be more flashier and more upfront than others. It doesn't mean that you are more spiritual or more godly. All gifts are necessary. The church cannot do without any of them. Don't get carried away with your gifting. Don't let your ego run. There's no room here for lofty, superior, arrogant attitudes. Rather, we need to be aware of thinking too highly and conversely, thinking too lowly about the gifts that we are given. If God has gifted you and he has, Whatever gift he has given you is needed for the church and there is great value in it. But we need to consider soberly from God's position the gifts that we have and to use them. And we need to see ourselves within the context of what he's given to us and how we need to be humble in using them. Diversity in the church, the difference that we have the different gifts, if we are not careful, can lead us astray if we misuse them. If we get too carried away with ourselves and what we can do, then we're going to run into trouble. We're warned by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm reading chapter verse 24, second part and 25. But God composed the body, having given greater honour to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Regardless of the gifting that God has given, we ought to treat each other the same lovingly. We ought to care for one another. No distinctions of persons because someone's more up front or they have a gift which seems to be better than someone else's. We shouldn't treat each other like that. And as I said, if someone has a flashier gift, it's more up front. It doesn't mean they're more godly or more spiritual. Far from it. And those who have a lesser gift are not to see themselves as being inferior. All gifts are necessary. Now when we start to consider the spiritual gifts, how God has gifted us and gifted the church, and we can be built up and strengthened and equipped for service, There's a few other things that we need to consider. We need to develop our spiritual gifts and not waste them. There are a number of celebrity rock singers who were given some real talents and gifts. I don't know if anyone in probably my age group remembers the singer Meatloaf. Wonderful voice. He used to sing in a church choir, but where did he end up? What did he use that gift, that talent for? didn't use it for the building and equipping of the saints, but he used it to build a musical career. How easy can we slip if we don't develop it and use it for the things of God? Now, one of the things that we are also not good at in allowing people to exercise their gifts is giving people liberty. Where the Spirit is, there's liberty. We need to allow others the grace of, and the opportunity to use their spiritual gifts in the church. We need to encourage each other, not criticise. We need to support, not pull down and hinder. It's so easy to at times. We need to encourage. We need to provide opportunities for people to use their gifts. We need to allow them the liberty to do so. And it might necessarily be the way you or I might choose to do so, but they answer to God, not to you or to me. And as we consider the diversity of persons within the church, of the diversity of gifting, we need to keep in the back of the mind at all times, there is only one church, one body, and you and I are members of that body, and we all have a part to play. We are all joined to the head, Christ, through the body. We're not designed to operate separately. We're not designed to operate independently, but to operate effectively under the headship of Jesus Christ. So, yes, we need to recognise the diversity of the gifts, even here at Bald Hills. And each one of us needs to ask the question, how can I make best use of the gift that God has given me to benefit each and every member? So, a few things for us to consider at this point. One, there is one body, there is one church, but many members. Where do you fit in? What are your spiritual gifts? Are you prepared to exercise them fully and appropriately for the building of the church and the equipping of the church? Do you have the opportunity to use them? It's Another question, isn't it? Now, if you're unsure about your gifting, if you're unsure about your contribution to the life and the work of the church, then why not have a chat with your elder? If you... Think you have a good idea for ministry for within the church and why not take it to session? Why not talk to someone about it and look at exercising your gifts to the edification of each member? So Let's just come back to this first point. There is one body, many members. A diversity of members, a diversity of gifts. But we are to work as one body. We are to be effective as one. If we have a look at verse 6 then, it's moving down a little further. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The emphasis is mine here. We have been gifted, with spiritual gifts. We need to use them in service to God. Because they're given to us to use within the context of the church for building and equipping. Our spiritual gifts are not to be used in a self serving manner or for self promotion or for personal benefit again. They've been distributed to each member specifically for the benefit of the body. They're not to be unused. So if you have a spiritual gift and you have, they're not to be ignored, they're not to be neglected. You're expected to use them as opportunity arises. And to develop them and develop them further, so you can be a... in First Timothy four verses 13 to 15, Paul writes to young Timothy, a young elder, and he says this to him, "Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be to all. So we have a young elder, young in the faith and Paul is encouraging Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is within you. Use it. Develop it. That same exaltation is given to you and I. We have been given gifts for the use. Don't ignore them. Don't neglect them. Use them, develop them, that the kingdom may be established and God's people strengthened. There's a few other things, too, that we need to consider when we talk about spiritual gifting in the church. We're not to be envious of others or be in competition with them. You know, the church at Corinth had a number of serious issues. One being that members were prioritising less valuable spiritual gifts. They were all seeking tongues. It was flashy. But they were missing the point. There were more valuable gifts there that were better for edification and strengthening of the church. They were failing to use the gifts that they were given fully to edify the body of Christ. And they were also making claims of spiritual superiority over one another. They were envious of of others and their gifts. They competed for recognition. They competed for standing. They used those gifts in a most unholy manner. Brethren, be wary of the warning. Don't be envious of others. Don't be in competition with those around you who might have gifts that, uh, yes, you might think are a bit better than yours. Well, God has given you what he's given you to you. We also have the same head christ we're joined to him it's god through the power and the work of and the person of the holy spirit who determines the allocation of gifts amongst these people it's not your eye and it's not based on any merit or anything that you've done this gifting is given by god according to the needs of his church our contribution to the life and work of the church, the use of our gifts is also not to be used as a bargaining negotiation tool or strategy. If I don't get what I want or I don't like the way things are done, I'll withdraw. I won't use my gift. It's not appropriate. We are to continue to use our gift to strengthen and encourage and build the church. And it's interesting when we look at uh, scripture that Yes, the body might function when every part doesn't function as effectively as that should. But it could work much better, and it does work much better, and it's designed to work when every part plays its part to the fullest extent. We look at Ephesians 4, verse 16. From the whole body, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by that by every joint, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. If I look at the J.B. Phillips version, he puts this passage along the lines of that each part the body grows by the proper functioning of the individual parts. If I look at the amplified body, it says when each part is working properly, each part of the body needs to function properly effectively and properly for the body to work properly and do the work that it's called to do unless all members are doing its part. So if we desire the church to be effective, and I take it that we do, we want the church to be effective in building and equipping each other and in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, each of us needs to use the gifts we've been given in selfless love. Those gifts are not to be neglected or ignored, or used for self-serving purposes, but to be used solely for the extension of Christ's kingdom here on earth. So we looked at first your gifts. What are your gifts? Do you know what they are? There's a few questions we should ask now. Are you using your gifts for the edification of the church? Yes or no? Are you using your gifts? And if not, then I'd certainly encourage you to do so. Now, given the diversity of the members of the church, given that it's made up of many people from different backgrounds, with different opinions, different perspectives on things, with different gifts, we need to focus on maintaining the unity and the peace of the church. It is easy for churches to divide over differences, even small differences, even the use of gifts and how they are used in the church. So the church is one body. At Bald Hills we have a local church. We are one body comprised of many members. No two of us are the same. We're all different. Yet we've got two key things in common. One, we are all disciples of Jesus Christ. We come under the headship of Christ and we are members of this local church. We've all been given different gifts, but these gifts are other gifts for the use within the church. but we have an ongoing battle within us. We have the battle with the old sinful nature. We have egos, we have personalities. We're quite strong in our opinion at times. It's easy for conflict and division to arise in the church. Very easy. And we need, therefore, to work hard at maintaining unity and peace in the church without compromising doctrine and practice. And reading um, through the week and preparing for this morning, it's an interesting point that Kelvin made that really hit home. Just how ingenious we are in feigning love that we don't genuinely have. We deceive others, we deceive ourselves, and we at times neglect and reject people who we don't see eye to eye with or we have less affinity for. And be honest, we do. But it is love, it is a genuine love for each other that, in fact, binds us together. So when we come to the end of this passage in Romans, and I'm looking at verse 9 through to verse um, 13 now, it is no surprise again that Paul talks about love. In the Roman church, he points out to them the, the differences that they have, and yet the commonality they have under the headship of Christ and he encourages them to love one another. And again I find it interesting that in Corinthians where he is talking about gifts in chapter 12 he talks about spiritual gifting and the body of the church there, the church. At the end of chapter 12 after talking about gifts he says but let me show you a more excellent way and in chapter 13 he goes on and expands about love and how they ought to love one another. And here we have this passage in Romans again where in the first two verses we're encouraged to be living sacrifices and to love God with our whole heart and soul and mind and being and to be thankful for what he's done to us. And then in these other verses from 3 through to 13 how to live within the church and he closes with a section on love. I think it's a good point that we need to note. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be fully affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given the hospitality. What a wonderful way to finish this short passage. And when we consider this short passage here from 9 to 13, there are five aspects of love that Paul brings out that we ought to apply to our lives within the church, how we interact. First off, our love is to be pure hypocrisy. Let's show no favours, no partiality whether I have the same mind as you, whether I have differences with you or not, I must, and I should love you with no partiality, and that love should be genuine. And as a consequence, I ought to abhor evil and to cling what is good. Now we need to understand those words within the context of "Let love be without hypocrisy." the force of the two words here. Or, or the words here, "abhor evil and to cling to what is good are within the context of malicious malicious, sorry, injustice. In other words, abhor evil. The context here is that someone has been neglected or rejected. There's malicious intent. And let's be honest, being rejected, or neglected or ignored hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. It injures, but cling to what is good. And the context of cling to what is good here is more along the lines of assisting those who are injured. So someone who has been injured in the church because we have shown a lack of love, that they are hurt, they are upset, well, we are to then comfort them and reach out to them in love and particularly if you're the person who has caused the hurt, then to repent and restore the relationship. So our love is to be pure. Without hypocrisy, we are to abhor evil, to cling to what is good. Our love is to be selfless. Our love for our fellow Christians ought to be warm. It ought to be affectionate. Brotherly love. Now what does brotherly love mean? It's the love that you find within a family context. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. Our love for one another ought to be loving, affectionate, and there ought to be commitment. Our love for each other is based on more than just desirability or attractiveness or how well we like someone or not. It is to be based on affection, on commitment. And we should esteem the other higher than ourselves. So our love is to be selfless. And within the context of the church as to how you and I interact with each other and build each other and equip each other and challenge each other, our love is to be active. You know, we do these things diligently. That's what it says. We are to do things diligently. I like the way the modern language Bible puts it, never slacking. When it comes to loving without hypocrisy, abhorring evil, clinging to what is good, being affectionate and loving to one another, don't be slackers, That's what he's saying. Very clear, I can understand that. The Living Bible says, don't be lazy. In fact, we're to be fervent in spirit, we're to be passionate and zealous in our love for each other. Now, I admit that the fervency that we have or ought to have, the passion, the zeal to love one another, to encourage each other, to build each other up, to use our gifts appropriately, comes from the Spirit of God. But it is us who hinder the Spirit at times and stifle the Spirit. So we need to ensure that we do not hinder or quench the Holy Spirit or suppress the work of the Spirit in our lives. Remember, we're serving the Lord God, not ourselves, or we ought not to be. Our love ought to be enduring as well. We need to maintain focus on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have an eternal hope. We ought to be joyful. We ought to rejoice. And when we consider what Christ has done for us, and that we have the hope of eternal life, they are but mere temporary aberrations to the joy that we will receive. And therefore our joy, our love ought to be enduring. We need to calmly submit to bearing our cross daily. because It's only for a time. <clears throat> but we also need the aid of the Holy Spirit to equip us and strengthen us to be able to love one another as we ought, to give people the liberty to be the people who God would choose them to be within the church. We're serving the Lord God, not ourselves. And finally, our love is to be generous. Now, we've got a wonderful example of that if you have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 46. The early Christians understood that they were merely stewards of what God had given them. They weren't materialistic. They weren't stingy. They were ready to use their possessions at any point in time or at any moment for those who had need. And particularly for the household of faith, for their fellow believers. And you can see it in the effect that they extended hospitality. Now hospitality here isn't just inviting someone into your home for a meal. It could also mean providing accommodation, which in those days with people travelling was a very dangerous thing to travel. So it's a very generous and gracious thing to provide hospitality, shelter and food for them. So we can see here that there is one body, many men, but different talents, different gifts. There's diversity, and yet we are to work wholeheartedly in using our gifts and our talents for the service of our God, not to ourselves, and we're to do it in unity and peace for the extension of the kingdom of God and to his glory. Gives us a little bit of a challenge, doesn't it? But we can also take encouragement from the fact that God has been gracious to us. He has given us brothers and sisters in Christ to share our joys, to share our sorrows, to call us into line when we need to be called in the line, to encourage us, to teach us. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, that God has given us and we need to be very thankful for it, but we need to use the gifts that we're given in unity and peace. So let's just bring things a little bit to a close. One body, many members. Diversity of persons, diversity of spiritual gifts given by God. Our gifting is complementary. It's not competitive in nature. We ought not be envious, but encourage and support others in using the gifts that they have to the benefit of the church. After all, it is for the benefit of all, and it's to the glory of God. We ought to use the gifts that we're given don't neglect the gift that you have been given. Don't undersell it. Don't oversell it. Do not neglect meeting together. Do not neglect using the gifts to encourage and strengthen each other. And then above all, as we go about our work within the church, we need to work hard to maintain the unity and the peace. We need love, a selfless love, a pure love, an enduring love, and love overlooks a multitude of sins, doesn't it? It certainly does. So let us work hard to maintain the unity of the peace and the peace of the church so that we, as a local congregation, can truly be the people that God would have us to be, with our eyes on Him and the extension of His kingdom and His glory and His glory alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for each member of your church and particularly the local church here. We Thank you for the gifts that you have given to the church. Lord, we thank you for the provision that you've made. Lord, we ask that you would help us to truly love each other with pure love, that we would abhor evil, cling to what is good, that we wouldn't be jealous or envious of what others can do or are doing, but we'd be supportive and that they would be supportive and encouraging of us. Lord, that each one of us would work with the gifts that you have given us to your kingdom, to your glory. Lord, we pray an extra measure of grace because we know that as humans, we wrestle with the old man and our differences at times we allow to cause conflict, to cause division. Father, strengthen us. Give us an extra measure of grace that we might truly be the people that you would have us to be, that this place would see peace and unity, that your kingdom would see peace and unity, Lord, that your kingdom would come as it is in heaven, so it shall be on earth. Father, be with us all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give thanks and praise to God for what he has done for us but acknowledging that given what he has done for us, we cannot but else in thankfulness and with a grateful heart give him thanks and praise. So let us rise up and sing. Our song is Rise Up, You Saints of God.